We're going to be in First uh, Peter chapter three. Be finding that in First Peter chapter three. Glad some of my water's still up here. <laughs> oh. You know, our theme for the year, Overcome Evil with Good, uh, is our annual theme for 2022, but um, it's really, if you think about it, I've been thinking about it a lot, of course, it's really a theme for life. That's really what God is about doing in our life, replacing evil with good. Uh, that's what salvation is about, cleansing and forgiveness and washing our sins away, that's what sanctification is about, overcoming evil with good, replacing, putting off the old and putting on the new. And really that's what the future kingdom is about, overcoming evil with good. And that ultimate, finally, time of Jesus Christ ruling and reigning. So really it's kind of a theme for life. Uh, but we're going to look at a particular aspect of it tonight and uh, looking forward to getting into the scripture. And by the way... I just want to say how much I appreciated the messages, the services this morning, and appreciated the Sunday school hour. That powerful passage, really, about Saul's rebellious heart, and then, of course, the morning message about considering your ways. I, I, I missed it at first. I thought it was consider her ways. So I, I missed the first part of the message. I was just thinking about my wife. But anyway, <laughs> consider your ways. But uh, tonight we're going we're gonna to talk about our words, really. First, Peter chapter 3, if you'd stand with us for the reading of the scripture, we'll read this passage and then pray. Beginning in verse 8, Peter writes, finally, you know, I always think about words like this when I'm thinking about preaching, and you know, when a preacher says, finally, you know, what does that mean? Nothing. Just, just, I was looking at this, just out of curiosity, I looked at this letter, this first epistle of Peter. There were 57 verses in First Peter before you get to finally. There were 59 verses after he said finally. So really, finally just means we're almost halfway there. So just keep that in mind when you hear preachers say, well, in conclusion, or... Finally, he says in verse 8, Be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be full of pity. Be pitiful. Be courteous. These are not suggestions. These are uh, really imperatives. This is what God wants us to be. Verse 9, Not rendering evil for evil. Or railing for railing, but contrarywise blessing, knowing that ye are thereto, thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil, to avoid it, shun it, turn away from it. Let him eschew evil and do good. Turn away from evil and do good. 
Let him seek peace and ensue it, follow after it, pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight, and we just ask you that, Lord, you would bless, Lord, your word, and help us to receive with meekness tonight the engrafted word. Help us to, Lord, mix faith with your word that it might accomplish its purpose in our lives. God, I pray for that. Help us, Lord, not to miss what you have for us in this time in the scripture. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So when it comes to overcoming evil with good, this is an area that we want to target tonight that really deserves our attention. And that has to do with our words. Just at a quick glance at our text here in 1 Peter chapter 3, just notice several references to speech, to our words. In verse, in verse 9, he says, uh, not in, rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. The word railing has to do your, with your speech. It's really to be... Uh, slanderous to, to have reproach you know you're never to slant you never repl- uh, replace slanderous words or repay slanderous words with slanderous words and then verse 9 he says but contrary wise the opposite of that contrary to that but contrary wise blessing so blessing there speaks specifically about our words don't don't um, render railing for railing but but blessing, and the word blessing means to speak favorable about someone, to pronounce a blessing. You know, that word, God bless you, is, uh, is really pronouncing a blessing. It's saying something positive and encouraging. And then in verse 10, another reference, he says, Let him refrain his tongue from evil. So there again, speaking about our speech. Also in verse 10, he says Let, that his and his lips that they speak no guile. So this, this passage doesn't necessarily use those exact words, overcome evil speaking with good speaking, but that's exactly what he's talking about. That's what he's trying to get us to understand. And it's the same language, similar you see in Romans 12, where we get the verse, where we get this theme, overcome evil with good. In Romans 12, it says, bless them that curse you. Bless and curse not. These words, we're to overcome evil speaking with right speaking, with good speaking. We're not to render evil from evil or contrary, uh, railing for railing, but blessing. You know, I was um, thinking about this matter of our words this morning during the special, uh, how the old rugged cross made a difference. I like that song. But the second verse of it really reminds, and I did it this morning, and it often does, it reminds me of our past before we knew the Lord, before Christ was a part of our life. The second verse says this, barren walls echoed harshness and anger, little feet run in terror to hide because of the language, the harshness, the anger that was a part of our lives. It was a part of my life growing up in a home where my mother loved the Lord, but my dad was not a 
a believer, was not a follower of Christ. And so I was, myself and my two brothers were raised where there was a lot of anger, a lot of harshness, a lot of words that just leave great pain. But, the, the, but that second verse goes on to say, Now those walls ring with love, warmth, and laughter since the giver of life moved inside. You know, Jesus changes things. He changes our hearts. He changes our homes. He changes our language. He changes the way we speak. And the old rugged cross made a difference, and I'm thankful to God for that. So in this passage, it's really talking about, you know, overcoming evil with good. And I, I think if we would just pause for a moment and just think about this, we could all agree that one of the most challenging areas of our life to master has to do with our words, our vocabulary, our, the way we respond to people, the way we speak to people, the way we speak of people. And I'm going to come back to the text here in a moment in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, but I want to just step back for a little bit and just talk about, review a little bit about the power of words. You know, if we were to think about it, all of us have been positively affected by positive words. You know, I, I was, my wife and I were going through the other day, I might have mentioned this, I don't know if I did or not, was going through some old things that I inherited, some letters and cards and things that my mom kept stuff. She kept it from her mom and just some interesting things to look at. But just looking at those pictures reminded me of, of conversations that I've had. And I remember this, my, my grandfather on my dad's side um, was not a church-going man and we um, even as a teenager, he and I would drink together. It was a part of our life. And, um, and then, by the grace of God, God got a hold of our life and changed our lives. And, and he was the one that taught me to bird hunt and fish. And we spent a lot of time together. But I remember the conversation he and I had right before we moved here in the, in the winter of 1976. And I didn't know how he'd feel about this, that I was leaving the area, that I was moving up here. I'll never forget his words. We stood out, leaning up against the car in the front of the house there. They lived out on the farm. And he's, in just a few sentences, he told me how proud he was of what I was doing with my life. And, you know, that may not mean anything to us, but it meant the world to me. Positive words can really impact a person's life. But on the same hand, negative words can also leave a scar on people's lives and impact people's lives. And that's really what this text is about. Uh, we've experienced what it means when we hear positive words. We've also experienced the terrible pain of negative words or critical words or harsh words. And by the same token, we could all probably say, you know, by the grace of God, we've, all, we've used words that help people used words that gave people hope and promise, but we've also, most of us at least, would recognize we've been guilty of saying words that would effectively discourage someone and hurt someone and help, not help them in any way. It reminds me of a verse in Proverbs chapter 18 where it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
You say, what does that mean, death? Is in, it means our words have the power to kill, to destroy, to diminish, and not just kill physically, but emotionally and spiritually too. Our words can hurt people deeply. They can curse. And that doesn't mean, the word curse there doesn't mean profanity like we think of cuss words, but it means to, to say something negative and hurtful to people, to wound them, to destroy them. As a matter of fact, two times in Proverbs, it says the tales, the words of a talebearer is wounds. The, two times the writer of Proverbs wrote this. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Our words can wound people internally, and it's a very powerful thing. Death, there's death in the power of your tongue, but there's also life in the power of the tongue. Our words can be life-giving. They can give people hope. They can give people vision or trust. Proverbs 25 says, As cold water to a thirsty soul. That phrase, just for many of us, that phrase has meaning. You know what it's like to be out working on a hot day and you're thirsty and just get a sip of cold water? As cold water to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Words can encourage people. Words are tools that can bless people. Go with me, if you would, to Proverbs. been writing, uh, reading here and quoting from Proverbs. But go to Proverbs chapter 12 for a moment. We're going to come back to 1 Peter in a moment. But I just want to really take a few moments and think about the power of words. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 18. There is that speaketh, Proverbs 12, 18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. But the tongue of the wise is health. There are words that just cut. They cut deep. They cut like a sword. They're hurtful. There are words that are, that are the, there is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword. But the tongue of the wise is health. There are words that are actually healing and helpful. So we need to think about the importance of our words, the words we use with one another as Christians, the words we use in our home, the word we use with our spouse, the words we use with our children, the words that we use toward our parents. We need to think about the importance of our words. Go with me, if you would, to the book of James, right before First uh, Peter. The book of James, in James chapter 3, is one of the most, I think, um, informative and helpful and challenging and convicting passages in all the Bible having to do with our words. And we're not going to just really spend a lot of time on it, but I want to read through it just to help reinforce the importance of our words. James chapter 3, in verse 2 it says, For in many things we offend all. And all of us do. All of us have the ability to cause someone to stumble or even cause ourselves to stumble. But notice the next statement. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. If any man can prevent offending people with words, have I ever offended people with words? I know I have. Sure I have. And most of us who would be honest would recognize that we have. He says, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man. And the word perfect there means mature, complete. You know, one of the great, one of the, uh, according to the Bible, one of the sure evidences that a person is maturing 
is he's able to control his words. And that's, that's the quantity and the quality of our words. That's a sign of maturity. Just because we talk all the time doesn't necessarily mean that we're wise. And so, we're, so this is a sign of our maturity. Let's read through this passage and we'll just point out a few things. In, in James chapter 3, it says in verse 3, Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us. And we turn about their whole body. And those of us who've ridden horses know what that's describing. You just touch the rein against a horse and turn them to the right or to the left or cause them to stop or back up. It's just, just, just through their mouths and those bits, you can control them. Then verse 4 says, Behold also the ships. Think about the ships, which though they be so great, a, a great sailing vessel, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. In other words, just that little rudder or the thing that, that controls the rudder can turn that, that big vessel, that giant ship, just one small thing can turn it. And so the, the, the illustration about the bits and horses' mouths and about the rudder on the ship are really an illustration about the tongue. Look in verse 5. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. How, how great a matter a little fire kindled. You know, just a careless act can destroy literally millions of acres. And he's talking about the power of the tongue, the, the way a tongue can be, can be used. And the tongue, verse 6 says, is a fiery world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, and it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Talking about the influence, the power of our words. And then it writes, the writer says, James says in verse 7, for every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed. I mean, we can tame lions and tame um, elephants. We can, all kinds of beasts. Serpents can even be tamed and birds can be tamed. Verse 7 says, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the sentence doesn't end there. Look in verse 8. But the tongue can no man can tame. It is an unruly evil. And there again is the word that's used in our text. And Peter, it's, it's evil. It can be used for evil. The tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil. That means it's, it, it's hard to be constrained. It's hard to be restrained. It's, and again, it's, the, it's evil. Overcome evil. The evil words. Overcome evil with good. So he says it's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. It's like venom. A tongue, our words can be like venom. They're toxic. They can be, I, we've all known this in our life. People who, even people who profess to be saved, their words are like they're toxic. They're like poison. Words are powerful. You know, whoever, whoever came up with that little saying that we learned in grade school, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me, need to have their head examined. <laughs> because words are harmful. 
Words can be poisonous, and they're toxic. And, you know, um, verse, let's read verse 9 and 10. There, therewith, with our tongue, therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. With the same tongue, we can stand up here and sing praises to God and bless God, but at the same tongue, we can curse people by being negative and critical and harsh and unkind. Verse 10, it says, Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. So we're talking about the power of the tongue. Charles Spurgeon on this subject said, Spreading slander emits a threefold poison. For it injures the teller, the ones who's spreading the slander. It injures the hearer, the one that's listening to the slander. And it injures the person about whom the slander is spread, whether it's true or false. So our words have great power. And there are many examples of this in the Bible. Let's go back to the Old Testament for a moment. And go to the book of Ecclesiastes. After the book of Proverbs, we have the book of Ecclesiastes, and there's just a bit of wisdom in chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes I want to touch on, and we'll eventually get back to 1 Peter chapter 3, finally. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, here's some great advice. Every, every bit of advice in Ecclesiastes is not always good. Solomon wrote it. But he was really struggling when he did, I think. And, uh, but this is, this is really worth pondering. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 21. Also, take no heed unto all words that are spoken. Be careful the words you listen to. Lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. In other words, it's a warning. Don't take seriously everything you hear. Because if someone says to you, Things that are he, what he calls curse thee. You know, when, if someone says to you, some, some friend, a young person, their friend says to them, you're worthless or you're stupid, don't take that to heart because that's not true. Don't take serious everything you hear, he says in verse 21, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. Those words, if you take those words in, those words can have a damaging effect to you. Verse 22, then he says this, a part of that same sentence. He says, for oft times also thine own heart knoweth. You know if you're, be honest with yourself. For oft times also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise has cursed others. You've said things to others that you shouldn't say. So you need to be careful about words. Words that we speak and also words that we, we believe. Words of criticism can be destructive. I want to go to one other passage, and then we'll come back to 1 Peter. Go to the first book of the Bible, because the fall of man really has something to say about words, the power of words. In Genesis chapter 3, we have this temptation where the serpent came, the devil came in the form of a serpent to tempt Adam and Eve. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said, I have those words highlighted in my Bible. He said, 
Words, words are powerful and effective. He said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, questioning God's words, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden, contradicting words. And the woman said, now the woman's now engaged in conversation. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, and she actually adds something to what God said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Now, you know, the devil doesn't come to us in temptation in the form of a serpent, but he does come in the form of words. Those words can just be ideas or thoughts. That's why we're to bring every thought captive under the obedience of Christ. And, and he questions us or entices us with words. So he's enticing Eve here in the garden and questioning and causing her to doubt God's word. Verse 5, for God doth know that in the day you eat thereof. This is the accusation, the false accusation of the enemy. The day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So we see again, the serpent spoke, these words were powerful, just like he entices us to do something we shouldn't do, say something we shouldn't say, go someplace we shouldn't go, spend time with someone we shouldn't spend time with. He question, causes us to question God's goodness. and it, God, Words are powerful. And so this woman was listening to the serpent and she was in conversation. She was enticed by these evil words. And what was she thinking? But then I think about Adam. Because when you read those verses, there's something that's missing. And that's Adam's words. Adam was silent. You know, Adam, as a husband, should have been speaking up and saying to his wife, this is not, this is not wise, don't listen to this. This is not something we want to do. And his silence, to me, speaks volumes. His, his words were needed. And I say that because words are powerful. We shouldn't use words to condemn and put people down, but we ought to use words to warn people. I wonder how many dads, how many husbands have seen their wives making, going in a direction or thinking something that wasn't really, wasn't really wise and, and, and just was silent. You know, sometimes men are silent just because they don't want to put up with, you know, the resistance they might get, but I'm telling you, we ought to speak up for what's right. We ought to, in the, in the good way, words mattered to say to our children, to talk to our children, this is not a path that you want to go down. And I'm just saying words are powerful. Words can be helpful and words can be harmful. And so words matter. Words are important. Now let's go back, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 3 and let's just finish up looking at this passage that Peter writes about the importance of overcoming really evil Speaking with good speaking, overcoming evil with good. Now look at the language again in 1 Peter 3.10 for he says, He that will love life and see good days. We all want that. We want, we want to see good days. We want to enjoy life. And here's, here's he said is a key 
to having a good life, let him refrain his tongue from evil. And I say it again. That word evil he, he mentions here in verse 9 is the same word that's evil, used evil in our, in our theme verse. In Romans chapter 12, overcome evil with good. He didn't, he didn't call it evil words, but he's talking about words. We can, we're to overcome evil words. We can do that. We're supposed to do that. We're commanded to do that. Look in verse 11. He says, let him eschew evil. The same word evil, the same word that's found in Romans chapter 12. We can overcome evil with good. Matter of fact, in this same letter, this uh, Peter's first epistle, look in chapter 2. And evil speaking is mentioned again. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. There's that word again, evil speaking. Lay aside evil speaking. And if we as believers want to take our Christian journey seriously, we have to understand that a part of what we're to do is to learn to control our words and use our words for God's glory and not for for evil speaking. That's backbiting and defaming words. And by the way, we can all be guilty. I'm doing the preaching, so I'll confess my faults, confess your faults one to another. All of us have said things that were unkind, We've said things that were untrue or we exaggerate or embellish things. Or we say things that would be best left unsaid. You know, have you ever heard people say that, you know, they just, they just say everything that crosses their mind? That's not really a, a wise plan. Just to say, because it crosses your mind to say it. You know, Colossians, I'm not going to turn to it, but Colossians says, put off Filthy communication out of your mouth. And in case it hasn't crossed your mind thus far, we need God's help to do this. You know, this whole idea of overcoming evil with good, we need God's help. There's a verse that I like in Psalms. I'll just read it to you. In Psalm 39, it says this. The psalmist said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. You know, when we think about sinning, we think about maybe sinning with our eyes or we think about sinning in various ways. But I'll tell you, we ought to think about how we sin with our words, with our tongue. Proverbs 10 says, in the multitude of words... There wanteth not sin, and a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Isn't that something? And a person can say, well, that's not me. I can talk all the time. I can just dominate every conversation. I can talk, you know, I can just fill all the idle time with words, and I don't sin. I, I beg to differ with you. A fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Ecclesiastes said a fool's voice is known by a multitude of words. Almost the same language as Proverbs. Here's another good proverb. Proverbs 17. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. We think, we tend to think that a person who has a lot to say must be really smart. But the Bible says he that hath knowledge spareth his words. 
I don't, I don't think God wants us to be shy. I don't think God, I think if we're naturally introverted, God wants us to overcome those introverted kind of, but I'm telling you, God wants us to learn to control our words. This is a verse, there's several verses that just helped me so much in my beginning stages of my Christian journey. And this, the second part of that Proverbs sentence in Proverbs 17 and 27 and 28, here's the second part. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. And I, well, when I started off as a Christian, I didn't know anything. I didn't know the songs. I didn't know the language. I'd be around people and they're talking all this Christian jargon. I didn't know any of it. But I figured something out. If you just be quiet, people think you know something. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. This, I believe this saying came from the Bible. It's been attributed to Abe Lincoln and different people. But the saying is, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak out and remove all doubt. <laughs> we're, to, we're to guard our words. We're to be careful with our words. I think, I think social media has just taken something that is an innate, natural problem and just really made it even worse. Because now people are so quick to comment online. Somebody writes something, they quick come back with a comeback and a sharp word and t attacking kind of words. And let me, listen, young person, that is not, that is not godly. That's not good. As a matter of fact, and this is just my old-fashioned old spin on things, but I think a lot of conversations that take place on, uh, on social media would be much better taking place in person, eyeball to eyeball, where you can actually look at a person and talk to a person rather than just putting out everything that's on your mind. It, it does a lot of damage. Words matter. And, I, you know, I'm... I just want to really emphasize this. We've all heard stories. I've heard stories of this or read stories or documentaries about this. How people have actually taken their life because they've been so beat down by words on, you know, some me social media platform, just critical negative words. I'm telling you, that ought not to be the way Christians are. So what are we to do with our evil speaking? We're still in 1 Peter chapter 3. We're to refrain from it. Verse 10 says... Let him refrain, 1 Peter 3.10, let him refrain his tongue from evil. It's, this is not complicated. He says, stop it. <laughs> Quit doing it. Quit saying those kinds of words. Quit say, don't, don't speak about your wife or your children or your friend or your enemy. Just speak words without thinking about it. We're to take control of it. Stop doing that is what he's saying. You know... I'm not going to turn back to James, but that great verse in James says, Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Wouldn't that be good advice? You know, I, I, I see Betty nodding her head. She wouldn't mind me saying this, but I think about Lawrence, and Lawrence was like that, you know, her husband. He wasn't quick to say, every man be swift to listen. You know, the Bible says if a man answers a thing before he knows it, it's foolishness. People, we're so quick to give our opinion. He says, don't do that. Be, be swift to listen and slow to speak and slow 
to wrath. This is our responsibility. Young person, this is your responsibility. As dads and moms, this is our responsibility. Stop it. Refrain from it. This, this, first of all, it takes discernment because we have to recognize, is this really, is this something I should say? Is this something I might ought to say later? Is this something may not be, should be said at all? It takes discernment and it takes discipline. You know, one thing about it, once those words are out there, you just can't retrieve them, can you? It's a part of our obedience to God. But you know what? It brings blessing. Listen to this promise from Proverbs. Think about this. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from troubles. It's so true. If we can just tap the brake before we speak, make sure it's what we ought to say, make sure how we ought to say it, make sure if it's the right timing of saying it. Again, that verse in, in 1 Peter 2, 1 there says, lay aside all evil speaking. So, you know, there's no, there's no magic formula. God doesn't say, here's a pill, you can take it. or No, he says, you need to stop doing it. Lay aside evil speaking. Recognize it and stop it. If it's tail-bearing, say, you know, we hear one thing, we tell somebody else. Why do we tell somebody else? Is it because they're a part of the solution or because they're a part of the problem or it's just because we just want to vent? Gossip and slander. Look in, look in verse 12 of our text here in 1 Peter 3. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. What a great promise. But notice this. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That's that, there's that word again, evil. That God is against them. God does not bless when we just talk all the time and really we're not thinking about what we're saying. God's, God's not pleased with that. So what are we to do? We're to overcome evil with good look in verse 9 again not rendering evil for evil or railing for ill but contrary wise blessing rather than evil speaking we ought to be responding with blessing that's what God wants I, I think there's something I think part of this has to do with personality part of it has to do with our upbringing but it just seems like it's just most of the time, at least a big part of the time, it's just easier to be negative than positive. I'm positive about that. <laughs> but rather than be evil speaking, we're to speak blessing. And that's a part of our character. Look in verse 8. This is a part of our behavior, our demeanor as Christians. Be all, be all of one mind, having compassion. One of love his brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. That's, a, that's how we're to be. Overcome, overcome evil speaking with blessing. Learn to, you know, verse 11 to me says what our theme says with a little bit different words. Let him eschew evil and do good. Overcome evil speaking with good speaking. Avoid evil speaking. You know... You're probably not like this, but apologizing doesn't always come easy for me. I'm sorry. Those are words. I can say it in preaching, but that's different than looking at a person in their eye and say, I'm sorry for what I said. Or I was wrong. 
or please forgive me. But you know what? That's, that's the way we ought to be. And if we, would, if we would, I think it would follow up with and be, have the right kind of response in our words, it would, it would cause us to be more careful about our words. <laughs> words can bless others. Our words can bless those in our home. I hope this is not true of anybody here tonight or anybody who's watching. I hope it's not true. I have no reason to believe it's true. But if we come to church and we act like everything's good and yet in our home there's a lot of arguing and fussing and fighting and yelling at each other, we need to get our hearts right with God. I'm telling you, that's not God's plan. That's not God's will. And we live in such a verbally toxic culture. And, um, you know, some, some of our young people can't relate to this as much as some of those who are older. But, you know, you just, when we were kids, we never saw this kind of stuff. You never even saw on, on, on primetime television all this fussing and hollering and disrespect for adults and the sarcasm that was biting. And, you know, you just didn't see that sort of thing. But it's a part of every part of our culture now, it seems like. We ought to, our words ought to be words of help and healing. You know, Proverbs says, pleasant words are as a honeycomb. I know some of you don't know what a honeycomb is, but some of us, it's pretty sweet stuff. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. And that's the way God's words are. You know, there's a Verse in Proverbs, it says, God sent his word and healed him. His words have healing properties. They help us. They encourage us. They lift us up. I want to go to one last passage uh, tonight in Matthew because this really, I think, I think it would be a good place to end because it really, Matthew chapter 12, it really helps, Jesus helps us see really what the real problem is with our with our words and where the root of the problem is. In Matthew chapter 12, in verse, let's just see, um, look in verse 34. O generation of vipers. Now Jesus sometimes, he spoke really direct, didn't he? And here's one of those times, you bunch of snakes. O generation of vipers. And he's talking to religious people. How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Think about that phrase. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. You know, what, what we say often is a reflection of what's in our heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If we say thankful words, if we say encouraging words, if we say words of affirmation, it's probably because that's what's in our heart. We want to build people up. We want to help people. But if we say harsh words and disrespectful words and unkind words, it's because of what's in our heart. 
That's what it says about us. Often I think people, people say hurting words because they're hurting. Hurting people hurt people. But the truth of the matter is, if we're gonna, it's one, so what are we to do? If we're going to overcome evil with good and we're going we're gonna to follow Peter's advice and follow Paul's advice in Romans 12 and follow the advice of the Proverbs and the advice of the Psalms and the advice of James, if we're going to follow their advice, we've got to get, take charge of our words and control them. But it's not just about taking control of our words. It's also about taking control of our hearts. There's a reason why we're short-tempered. And it's not just our Irish background. It's because our heart's not in the right place. And if we're going to fix it, you know, just look at this. Sometimes the Bible uses the word tongue. Sometimes it uses the word lips. Sometimes it uses the word mouth. But just think about the, the things that come out of our mouth, the speech that we have. It has great power and influence. And God commands us to refrain from words that are evil, that are harmful, that are hurting, and replace them with good words. That's a command. It's something that I'm still working on. It's something that all of us should be working on. But if we're really going to fix the problem, we've got we to gotta go to the source, the fountain. And that's our heart. Because if our heart is not right, if our heart has bitterness and our heart has, um, is selfish and prideful, it's going to cause our words to be damaging and hurtful and condescending. So it's, if we're going to, and we've got to fix the problem. You say, why are you preaching this? Probably because I need it. <laughs> but we probably all need it. I think if we're going to, here's, a, here's an area of our life that God says, if you can do this, if you can fix this problem, you're on your way to being a mature believer. And if you can't fix this, that means we've got some serious issues. We've got to work on it. But let's take it serious. Young person, you ought to think about this. If you, if you as a young person are exposing yourself to social media or friends that use profanity and disrespect their parents and disrespect, you ought to You've got a couple of options. One of them is you ought to just look around at your friend and say, you're going you're gonna to stop the potty mouth or I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Amen. Period. You say, preacher, you, have, you ever lived that way? Before I got saved, I lived that way. Some of you heard me say this. It's true. One of the biggest fears I had when I understood God wanted me to preach was I'm going to be here preaching and some old language would come out. I was serious about it. I was concerned about it. And I've only cussed a few times when I was preaching. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is not cute. I'm not, I'm not being condescending, but if, you, as a Christian, if I was a Christian teenager, by the grace of God, I wouldn't have a friend that uses filthy language. Period. Period. It's not what God wants for us. 
And by the way, we shouldn't, as adults, we shouldn't be listening to that filth all the time either. Think on things that are pure. Think on things that are holy. Think on things that are wholesome. Let's overcome evil speaking with good speaking. Amen? Let's bow our heads together for prayer. Overcoming evil with good. I'm not saying this is the only problem we have. I'm not even saying it's the most important problem we have, but I think it is an issue that the Bible makes very clear is common to all of us. Let's ask God to help us tonight. Set a watch before my mouth. That's what the Bible says. Guard my lips. You may be here tonight and you're not saved. You don't really care about your words because your heart has never been regenerated. When you get saved, you'll want your words to be pleasing to God. We'll want the the thing the psalmist wanted when he said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. We want God to be pleased with our thoughts and our words because we're saved. We belong to him. Our fathers, we pray this evening, we thank you for your word. God, what an amazing book this is. How clear it is, how direct it is, how true it is. That we all, we all struggle with saying things we shouldn't say, saying things in a way that we shouldn't say them saying things that are, would really be better left unsaid. We've all been there. God, help us to take this advice seriously. Help us, O oh Lord, to set a watch before our lips, our mouths. Guard our mouths. God, open us, open our hearts up. Help us to see areas where we need to change, improve. We pray for that. While our heads are bowed, let's stand together to our feet, please. Our heads are bowed and folks are praying. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, you don't know that you're going to heaven. Tonight, God, God wants you to be saved. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. But you've got to come to Him, and we're here to help you with that. You ought to come. If you don't know that you've been born again, you ought to slip out and come. I'll meet you right here at the front. Maybe you just want to come and spend a moment at the altar or right there at your seat. God, help me to refrain from evil speaking.
Ephesians 4, Paul wrote, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted. Good to see you tonight. Good to be in the Lord's house. I'll tell you, it's been a good, a good day. I want to mention uh, a couple of things before we dismiss. One of those just I don't. We don't even mention this, uh, but rarely. But um, you know, the giving boxes are in the back, and we encourage people to. Our fo- folks have been really faithful in tithing and giving to missions. But just a reminder that they're back there. Our missionary of the week is Brother Gerald. Myers, just a few notes from his most recent letter from South Africa. Karen had her last surgery, and uh, she's been doing chemo treatments, and she's officially declared cancer-free. She's got some uh, post-cancer follow-ups in the next months and years ahead, but we're thankful for that. Um, He writes about a trip to Uganda where they were before they were in South Africa, their Bible Institute starts again this month, and this March will be Missions Month and their work there in uh, South Africa. And then in May, they have to come to the, to the states to renew their three-year visas and ask for prayer about that. So remember them this week, the Myers family to South Africa, and of course, remember these other prayer requests. I almost forgot this. I talked to Mary Moore this afternoon, and uh, she was giving me an update about her husband, Ron. He, they had a, last Friday, he had a port put in because he's supposed to begin chemo on Thursday. It'll be when every time he goes, it's a three-hour chemo treatment. And um, so pray for, pray for them. I told you I'd mention that tonight. Pray for Ron and for Mary during this process that the Lord will just help them and give them wisdom and these other families, you know, that we've had, some of them are still out because they've got sickness. Several families that are out because of sickness, and we remember to pray uh, for them. And, um, you know, Cindy Francis has been um, out for a while. Plus, she mentioned her, a cousin of hers. I don't know if you noticed this on Facebook the other day, who came home from a mission trip with malaria and some liver damage. So, you know... There's so many people that need our prayers, but it's so good that we can pray for so many people, isn't it? That we can intercede for people, even people that we don't even know. But we can, you know, bear their burdens and help them. So I hope that we'll do that. If you're not signed up for the couples banquet, which is about a month from now, you need to get signed up. The earlier you get signed up, the higher your name will be on the list, just so you know. So get signed up. Don't miss out. All right. Let's thank the Lord for a good day and trust the Lord to help us as we go forward this week, not to be like Saul, partially obedient but not completely obedient. Partial obedience is not the same as complete obedience, right? And... Um, Let's ask God to help us really to guard our words. And there's something better than the regret we feel 
after we've said the wrong thing, and that is the gratefulness we have when we kept from saying it to begin with. Amen. We all need that help. Amen.